Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. Welcome to the first episode. My name is Netta Gorman. So I'm talking today with Shelley Varela, who is a friend of mine, who I've known for quite a short time, but right from the beginning of our friendship, she said to me, Netta, I want what you have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's like we, we started talking about sugar. In fact, we started talking about energy. And Shelley said to me, I want the energy that you have, but I wasn't even aware that sugar had anything to do with it. And this is why we're talking today, right? Mm, absolutely. So when we started chatting, one of the things that, um, that I found most inspiring actually was your story and your backstory. So when we met... Um, you know, just by circumstance, I, I happened to tell you about, you know, my lag and energy and how I'm feeling kind of gross. And, you know, my body doesn't look like, first of all, what I'm used to it looking like um, in terms of, you know, fitness and, you know, weight and stuff like that. I'm normally fairly lean, fairly active, and I just been a, like slogging lately. And so because of that, we started talking about um, sugar and processed foods and what have you and you ended up telling me about your journey which was yes inspiring to me it's always inspiring to hear somebody else's story but the part about um about your story and about your journey that that I connected with was actually the backstory of how you got there of how all of this came to be and um, I remember you saying, you know, at the beginning, you were talking about some, some health problems. So if you'll, if you'll share with people sort of at the beginning of your story, what that looked like, and we'll just kind of unpack it, because there's so many gems in your story in terms of the ability to make a life change of this magnitude, and the limiting beliefs that come up and the confrontation, and the resistance that we all have, regardless of what that change is. Uh, But when it comes to looking at where you are now, so for many people lacking energy and feeling low and, uh, and just sometimes just uh, like it's, it's a mood issue also. And sometimes you get so far behind, you think you're first. And then looking at somebody who's on the other side of that, such as yourself, and just starting to unpack it with respect to like, well, how did that happen for you? What did that look like? So you're telling me that you used to be just like me. Now I need to know more. So for all of those people listening, will you share the beginning of your story when you were just like me and just like many of us with respect to, you know, energy and mood and sugar and weight? Yes. Okay. Well, I always say that I used to eat sugar normally. I just used to eat normally, which included sugar five, six times a day, (laughs) plus special occasions. And I didn't even think it was a thing or an issue or anything. It was just normal. And I was kind of known as the dessert queen and people made cakes just for me and two types of dessert because Netta's coming for dinner. And it was, you know, I was the chocolate queen. It was just the norm. And from about my late 20s, early 30s, 
my digestion started to slow down and I went from going to the bathroom every day to, you know, three times a week, twice a week. And eventually in my late thirties and early forties, once a week. Wow. And yeah, that is, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, you know, it's, and I used to get like unrelated or seemingly unrelated issues like backache. And I remember one time clearly in my early thirties that I had to go to the hospital because my back was hurting so much and they, they did an x-ray. And what, uh, what transpired is that they said to me, Netta, your intestines are completely blocked, completely full. And so they gave me these little uh, laxative pills to empty things out. And oh my goodness, I don't wish that on anyone either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I was housebound for a couple of days and it was no fun. And it, I kept going up and down and up and down in the sort of uh, getting backed up and then having to take laxatives to, to get things moving. And this became my new normal. Mm. And I sort of at the same time, I thought that isn't normal, but this is just how uh, my system works. And I did go to see doctors and they said, eat more fiber, eat more fiber. And I mean, I was eating more fiber. I was eating cereal with high fiber and I was eating those bran bar things, you know, um, and the, that powder stuff that you mix up in juice and, and down with <laughs> holding your nose. But I was doing all the things I was supposed to do and it was getting worse and worse. And I was, I, the, the turning point when I thought I've got to do something now, something different was after one evening we'd had a pizza, you know, my, with my family. And um, I had the Hawaiian pizza, which was my thing. And that wasn't the problem in itself. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Hawaiian. But that night I ended up vomiting that pizza. As my head was in the toilet, I said to myself, this is coming out the wrong end. <laughs> it's not, it's not, your food's not supposed to come out this end. And then I realized, you know, I've got a real problem. I have to do something about it. Yeah. Let me just back up to what you said earlier. So before you were the person who started, you know, having constipation issues, before you were that person, <clears throat> you're toddling along your merry little life and you're eating a certain kind of way. And then your body starts to change over time. Um, and I feel like our first reaction to that is, well, I'm eating the same way I always do. So it can't be a problem with the way I'm eating. I have always eaten this way. But I, I guess there is truth in the fact that your body, um, first of all, I guess you can only abuse it in certain ways for so long before it starts to revolt. <laughs> and also, you know, as we journey through life, the needs of our bodies change. And um, there was something you said that kind of struck me just now. And you were talking about normal. You said, I used to eat normally. And and I'm wondering if um, normal is a synonym for common, but not actually normal. Yes. You know, as, as a society, we, we are rampant with like poor health habits, um, but everybody else has them. So it's normal. It's, it's what it actually is, is common. Right. Yes. And I use the word popular as well, you know, in the sense that lots and lots of people do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's normal. And what does normal mean anyway? Because I've created a new normal for myself. Mm. So when you were talking about, so you're, you're, you know, cruising through your story here and 
the thing that I love that you told me um, when we were chatting another time is what a rebel you were. And so as you're starting to experience all of these things, I remember you telling me, you said um, you were you were speaking with, I think you, you said your brother who um, who was in touch with, with a naturopath uh, and a natural nutritionist, whatever their yeah, title yeah, is. Nutritional therapist. There you go, nutritional therapist. And as you're experiencing all of these things, we're being told like, hey, well, why don't you come over here and try this? And you're like, you're not telling me what to do. and I, I actually loved hearing that for this reason. I loved hearing it because that would have been the first thing that I would have said as well. And, and I believe that's the first thing that many of us will say, like, because when you back up the story to what we were just talking about, you're cruising through life, you're eating the same way you always eat. And then all of a sudden your body kind of starts not liking that. And you don't want to change because this way of eating obviously works for you or you wouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. Yes. And she, you know, I did consult the nutritional therapist and she said to me, you know, I think you should try a couple of weeks with no sugar or flour. And, and I said, uh, no, <laughs> just like, no. What's there left? Yes, exactly. And like, what has, what's sugar got to do with anything? I'm constipated, hello? This is to do with fiber. That's what I'd always, always been told. And sugar, you know, gave me comfort, didn't cause me a problem. It gave me comfort. That was the only thing that was left in all my suffering. Don't take that away. Yeah. So it took me weeks before I actually sort of started thinking that maybe her suggestion had a little bit of sense behind it. Mm -hmm. But before you did give her um, suggestion some credence, you had been to the doctor and tried all kinds of things with respect to medications and all of that kind of stuff. What happened with that? Well, it, everything just carried on getting worse. That's the thing. I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I went to see the doctors. I took all their pills and potions and powders. I ate high fiber and things weren't getting better. They were getting worse. So, and I just thought I wasn't doing it properly or something like it was my fault. And then when, so when some, when this nutritional therapist suggested something completely different, I wasn't ready to hear that. Mm -hmm. So what was the moment when you, when you decided to um, soften your shackles on being right and say, I, okay, I'm going to try this now? That I think I was, it was when I was backed into a corner by my own body, my own suffering. And I just was so unhappy and so uncomfortable and so bloated and constipated and so much in pain. I just thought, I can't live like this. I've got to try something new because nothing else has worked so far. So what did that look like when you first started um you know, taking her advice and, and eliminating sugar and processed foods. Because I know if, if I'm anything like many of the people listening to this, you think of that and the, the, the image that comes to my head is a, a white plate with a piece of steamed broccoli and a piece of dry chicken. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to eat, man? Like what, like what, can I eat? Because when you look at the ingredients in soya sauce, in like any kind of sauce or anything that we put on anything for flavor, it's got all of that stuff in it. So when you first started saying, okay, I'm going to give this a shot, like what did that look like for you just so we can all benefit from 
I had that image of what am I going to eat? Ice cubes? That's all that was left. You know, I couldn't fathom what she was, what she meant by, you know, take out sugar and flour because just didn't, there's nothing else left. So it took me a while to actually accept that. And luckily for me, she actually sent me a list of what I now call food <laughs> um, to, to go grocery shopping because I was completely in, in the dark. It was so mysterious about what to actually buy and eat and make. So that was, yeah, I went to the grocery store for the first, and obviously not for the first time in my life, but with this list and basically it had on it real whole foods and I, I think I spent like two hours in the grocery store that day just looking at labels picking things up looking at labels putting them back on the shelf because they had either some kind of form of sugar or flour or starch or additives or whatever and really I should have just kept to her list and gone around the outskirts of the grocery store because that's where the unprocessed foods are and but it never even occurred to me that it was that simple. Well, you said something powerful that I hadn't considered before. And I've quoted you a number of times, by the way, since, which is like food doesn't actually have a label. Like food is food. Food is either, you know, uh, meat that we eat or or vegetables that we grow or, or what have you. But when something comes with a label, it's it might be something that we eat, but it's not actually food. Yes, yes. And Michael Pollan calls it food-like substances or edible food-like substances and not actual food. And it's like, it's, you know, I get a bit philosophical after a while, a bit sociological. And I think it says something about our society that we cannot imagine what food is if it doesn't come in a box or a package or a bag or... With you know, some great marketing. With some great marketing with you know a label that you have to somehow translate into food into what does this even do to my body and I never had that kind of habit of looking at labels when I went shopping I just always bought what I'd always bought and what I grew up with mm. and I'm, I consider that I ate relatively healthy food it's not like I just lived on packaged food but but there, I realized that there was a lot of packaged foods and, and a lot of products that I just mindlessly picked up and put into my shopping trolley that in the end, you know, I realized had loads and loads of sugar and flour in it. Well, you just drove a point home with what you just said, because most people, myself included, will say, well, I, well, I eat healthy. Like I eat a lot of vegetables and I eat a lot of, you know, good fats and all of that kind of stuff. But what I'm hearing from you right now is it's not just what you eat. It's also what you don't eat. So you can have a healthy diet and you can have all of these things in your diet, but if it's counteracted by the other things that you also have in your diet, it's kind of like a pros and cons list, right? In yeah. One cancels the other out. Yes. And I have to tell you, I'm, I was completely illiterate, nutritionally speaking. So I didn't know what macros were. I didn't even know there were just three of them. I just didn't know. You talk to me about macros. I wouldn't know what you're talking about. I didn't even know good fats was a thing. It sounds like, you know, a, a contradiction in terms to me. So I knew nothing. And even when on this list, she, she wrote down, you know, good proteins, I wouldn't. I don't know what those things are, you know, I do now, but, you know, I would see meat 
or fish or proteins as it's a pork chop. It's not a protein. For me, that's how that's how little I knew about nutrition. So when you started this, uh, is it okay to call it an elimination diet? Yeah, that's what she called it. But I didn't even understand what that meant either. Yes. So, so the idea in, at the beginning was like, let's start, uh, let's take all of the things that we know could be the problem out. And then, and then the idea is we start reintroducing them one by one so you can pinpoint what is actually causing your body to have this reaction, correct? Yes, that was the approach. So what was your experience when you started with this elimination diet? So when you, when you first decided, okay, like here's the list, two and a half hours in the grocery store, what am I going to do? Ice cubes and broccoli, amazing. But you actually, obviously, you know, came to terms with and, and really got creative with what you eat, how you eat. Like, what did that journey look like between where you were then and where you are now? Because I see your energy and I see all of the things that you have to offer. And I'm like, I need to know more about that because, um, because I don't want to have to go through all of the things you went to that you had to go through to get to where you are. I just want to be where you are. Yes. Yes. And, and luckily it doesn't actually take that long to get there, but you see, I didn't feel like energy wasn't my issue. Um, not that I had loads of it. I just, it wasn't top of mind because it was all about my digestion. So my sort of pay, my first thought was I've got to get my digestion back on track and I'll do whatever it takes and it's only for two weeks because she said two weeks and then we'll reevaluate. so I mean you can pretty much do anything for two weeks um, and I didn't get rid of all the cookies and the chocolate and stuff from my house because again two weeks but what what I found was the most difficult or the the weirdest thing was breakfast when I sat down and there wasn't toast or cereal for breakfast, I just felt like I was the, the biggest weirdo in town. <laughs> I was like, Does, you know, maybe they have like some hidden camera in my dining room watching me eat this meal. That, that's not breakfast. It was eggs and cucumber and cheese. That's, that's lunch. That's not breakfast. And it was like I had to, you know, you're saying I got creative, but it was kind of pushed on me this creativity of not only creating new types of meals but accepting that what I'd always accepted as breakfast can actually just be any food that's you know that's good for you and good for you I mean that nourishes you and gives you energy. Mm. So what did you start to notice after the end of the two weeks? Well at the end of those two weeks I noticed, well, first of all, I noticed that I had more energy, that I was sort of jumping out of bed in the morning and actually not creaking out of bed. Like, I, like my joints were a lot, a lot more supple and that my spare tire was starting to melt away and I wasn't doing any more exercise or anything like that. I just, I thought, oh, my, my, my pants are looser. And I hopped on some scales because I don't weigh myself and I hopped on the scales and goodness gracious, I'd lost like four pounds, which on my small frame is massive. Mm -hmm. I think people often don't um, give enough credence to inflammation in the body. And when you just said right now, you were talking about, you know, creaks and pains and stuff like that. And, and I think when you get to a certain age, people are like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, you know, just getting older and that's just kind of part of it. 
Um, and I have a friend who says, you know, well, we have to, we have to um, come to terms with the fact that, you know, we're not 25 anymore. And my thinking is, yeah, but there are people who are 50, 60, 70 who are exceptional. There are people who are 65 who are running their first marathon. So they're not superhuman. And so that leads me to think, well, what are they doing differently? Because they're not the norm. And it also leads me to thinking, okay, well, a young person's body may be able to, you know, plow through chemicals easier or, or metabolize sugar easier. Um, and once, you know, your body starts to change, it's not that you can't have a similar level of fitness or energy, but it just might mean that you go about doing it a different way. Right. Yes. So what, you're, what you're maintaining actually is the quality of life. What you're not maintaining is the attachment to nutritional habits that no longer serve. Yes, yes, it's a it's a massive mindset shift to accept that what you've been doing all your life is no longer what you need to be doing now. And for me, when I got into my early 40s, I had my I'd had a baby at the age of almost 38. So that was relatively late after a, a lot of uh, infertility treatments and uh, we had to go with IVF. So that that's pretty rough on your body and, and a relatively difficult pregnancy. So I just thought it was normal to have put on a few pounds and to creak out of bed in the morning because I was 45. And as you were saying, you know, it's just normal. <laughs> There's that word again, just normal to this is what 45 year olds do and feel like. Mm -hmm. And then after those two weeks, when I realized, wait a minute, I'm not creaky anymore. And I actually feel better than I did two weeks ago, then that started getting me thinking, wait a minute, th this is not normal. And yet it's the type of normal I really, really like. That's so really fascinating what you, what you said about that, because it, you know, it took extreme circumstances for you to really have this experience so that you can now be teaching others how to have the same experience. Yes, and, and the, the central thing was that open-mindedness to look at things differently mm -hmm. and to kind of see, to see how what you think is impossible is actually possible. But then you've got to try it to know it. Did you, at the beginning, like when you very first, uh, you were talking about, you know, you're going to go for two weeks and you're not getting ready the cookies in your house because you're only doing this for two weeks. Um, was there a part of you, because as I'm listening to you tell that part of the story, um, I'm picturing myself in the story and I'm, and the first thing that comes up to, for me, when I'm, when I'm thinking about, okay, no sugar. Okay. Like no processed foods. Um, it's almost like the, the philosophy of starting a diet on Monday, cause it has to be perfect. And the next thing that comes up to me is when I try to picture this now being a lifestyle, as opposed to two weeks that I just have to muddle through, the emotions that come up for me are, well, I'm, I'm, I'm almost feeling a bit of social anxiety. Like, how does this work when I'm out? Like, what does life look like? How do you integrate this, um, you know, by societal norms, seemingly abnormal diet, right? Because it's, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like social drinking. If you, if you choose to not drink anymore, then it's like, well, what do you do at parties? It's kind of bringing up the same thing. So how did you address that or wrap your head around that? Well, you know, the word that you use to describe my personality or part of it, which is stubborn. 
<laughs> which I'll give you for that. I'll give you that. <laughs> yes, Thank I you. am. <laughs> yeah, and actually, you know, in as much as it can work against you, in this case, it really worked in my favor because, you know, it made me follow those two weeks to the T because I knew that it was only for two weeks. And then in the third week, when the nutritional therapist said to me, oh, well, let's try bringing some foods back in. And I said to her, no, don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> Turned it around and I said, no, I'm going to just try for another week because I feel so great. And then that week turned into another one and another one. And it's been five and a half years. But had I seen it from day one as for the rest of my life or for five years, I would have freaked out. And I think it's a type of self-sabotage to see things in terms of the rest of my life or forever mm -hmm. so that we kind of just stay where we are. And I think what saved me was that we're seeing it as one day at a time, one week at a time. What would you tell the people that are thinking about this? And, um, and you, many of us are, I'll say guilty of this, of trying to do it perfectly. You know, like it's, it's almost like for those people who are on a specific eating regime because they want to lose weight, some people would call that a diet. So if somebody's on a diet and they, and they're not quote unquote cheating, I can't stand that word, but they're mm -hmm. not cheating because they're doing it right. So they start on a Monday because Monday's a, a, a perfectly, you know, cyclical, you know, segment of time. And, you know, what would you say to the people who are thinking about this and going, okay, well, I'd like to try it, but I don't know if I can be perfect without having sugar. Like what happens if you have it and then come back? Like, because I, I, I really feel like this is as much a mental game as it is a physical one. And once you get the mental game over with, to your point, all of a sudden it's just like life and eating. It's just, you don't even think about it. Yes. Yes. And that's why I call it life after sugar. It's real life. Nobody's asking you to be perfect. In fact, I'm kind of asking you not to be because it, it just seems so stressful and uninteresting for me to be perfect. I gave all that perfectionism stuff up years ago when I was a lot younger and that's a good thing about being in your 40s and now I'm 50 is that it's like you just don't need all that perfectionist stuff so and I do tend to think that if you come into it with the idea that you've got to do it perfectly then already you're putting obstacles in your way because no one's asking you to be perfect if you eat some sugar fine tomorrow's a new day you learn you know, you, you see what it does to you, if it affects how you feel, and you just carry on the next day with that lesson learned. What do you think the biggest advantage aside from, um, you know, your creeks being gone and your, you know, your digestion being back on track? What is the biggest benefit for your life? I have so much energy and it's not just physical energy and I don't go off and run marathons. I just have to say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that with sugar, let alone without, I'm just not interested in doing that, but it's not the type of energy where you're doing a hundred types of sports. It's the type of energy that gives you this life force mm. that gives you this enthusiasm for whatever you're doing in life. So all these projects and all these ideas and all this sort of positive outlook on life that I just, I'm looking forward to getting up in the morning and I've got all this kind of, I don't know, this energy, this life force. Like vitality almost. Vitality that comes, and also that comes from not having to spend energy on 
dealing with my own body and how awful it feels. So can you imagine a life where you're not wasting energy on how bad you're, phys you're feeling physically, on where your next meal is coming from or your next snack or your next pick-me-up? It's like a fog being lifted. And, you know, they talk about mental fog. And definitely I feel that my ideas are clearer and my concentration is better. But it's also like life just seems brighter because I'm 100% in it. Wow, that's significant. Um, I was going to ask you, so I'm in the entrepreneurial space and, um, and I know that it can be a bit of a slog and a bit of a, a grind sometimes. Um, and, and so I'm, as I'm hearing your story, I'm applying that to my personal you know, set of circumstances. And it's like people talk about the feature versus the benefit. The feature might be sugar, but the benefit is not. The benefit for me as I'm playing this forward in my life and my business is, you know, it's a, it's a financial gain. It's a physical vitality. It's, it's an outlook that feels like hope instead of oppression. Um, it is, especially for women in a society where it's like, if you're over 30, we kind of don't have as much use for you sort of thing. And there is a heaviness to that, whether we consciously acknowledge it or not. And this feels like an alleviation of that. It feels like getting your mojo back. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody who is sitting on the fence or the precipice, entertaining, trying what you tried and, and, and looks to your story and says, I want what she has, just like at the beginning of this chat, I said to you. Mm -hmm. I think, again, I think over and above the foods and what you eat, what you don't eat, is that approach to doing something new, doing something different to trust that it's all good, that no bad can come of this. It's all good. Yeah. And I know that, you know, the sort of official message we get about you've got to treat yourself, don't deny yourself. I 100% agree with that. And in no way do I ever deny myself. And I treat myself all the time. It just doesn't involve sugar. And so it's changing that mindset to see that what you've always believed about let's say energy or sugar or well-being you're, you're responsible for creating that new reality and if you hang on to those old beliefs that's probably going to stop you from making that first step i love it thank you so much for sharing all of this because i'm finding it extremely helpful um and inspiring but but more than inspiring because i believe inspiration is when you look at somebody else's story and say and say to yourself well that's really great for you but this story has, um, and I'm sure it'll be the same for many people listening, it has allowed me to see myself in your story so that your story is now applica uh, applicable to me and to my life. And once again, I want what you got. <laughs> it's yours. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was a great chat. If you enjoyed this first episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any more. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.